Welcome, welcome, shalom, shalom, world changers. Tonight is going to be a very awesome night. I am really looking forward to this. We are getting into Isaiah, the last few chapters of Isaiah, chapter 64, 65, and 66. Also, 2 Kings 20 and 21, 2 Chronicles 32 and 33. We will be talking about the famous pet scripture that a lot of Christians quote, and that is, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We're going to talk about that first up. Also, the prophecy from Isaiah on the new heavens and the new earth about how what Isaiah says about the blood sacrifice and how that, once again, did not cover sin. And also a word for those who eat pork. We're also going to be talking about Hezekiah's illness. I know we mentioned this before when we read Isaiah chapter 38, but we're going to read it in uh, 2 Kings. We're going to talk about Hezekiah's illness and recovery, Hezekiah's pride and subsequent loss. We're also going to be talking about Hezekiah's death and Manasseh's repentance. We have Lenny Gurley who uh, commented on the short video about Romans 11, 26 and 27 versus Isaiah 59, 20 and 21. Uh, that that caused a little bit of reaction to to some people, didn't it? Uh, you know, and if you see, most Christians, most Christians don't do this. They don't they don't read um, the New Testament, and you know, when they come across a um, a passage that quotes the so called Old Testament, they don't check it out to see if it actually lines up, if it's actually you know a good you know a, an accurate quote. They just assume. It's in the Bible, therefore it has to be 100% perfect. But that's not always the case, especially when it comes to Paul. And so we uh, we we talked about that in that little short video that was posted um, the other day there. So uh, Lenny Gurley asks a question. So let me just back up a second. So what I what I did was I I showed uh, I read from Romans chapter 11 verses 26 and 27. I compared it with Isaiah chapter 59, verses 20 and 21. Now, there is a lot of difference there, a lot of difference. You know, some people might say, well, that was, uh, you know, Paul was quoting from the Septuagint, which I believe uh, it is more in line with the Septuagint. But even the Septuagint is not, uh, he, <laughs> it's not in line with the Septuagint either. It's more in line with the Septuagint, but not, not anywhere's, I mean, not, Anywhere's near accurate, put it that way. Um, so Lenny Gurley asked a question. Could this be what we were warned of in Matthew, Matthew 24, 24? For there shall be, so excuse me, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Uh, verse 26, therefore I say to you, look, excuse me, therefore if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. And so Lenny Gurley says, goes on to say, if this is the case, every church is deceived except for those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Very, very very good, uh, Lenny Gurley. Uh, very good observation. Um, I have a lot of respect for people like this because uh, we need to have an open mind. Uh, and I have. Let me just let me just 
share a little bit more on the concept of when when uh, Jesus warned the people, you know, don't you know, don't bother with anybody who says, "Look, there he is, and there he is in the desert." Uh, now, this is a theory. I'm not. I'm not saying I subscribe to this theory, and I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying this is a theory. Like you, a lot of you guys know, I just kind of present evidence, put it out on the table, and you can take it or leave it. I mean, at least look. Uh, I think we should consider all all aspects. So, uh, some people would say again. This is, I'm just saying what other people, a, a theory, um, that this is talking about Paul because, you know, Paul said that he, you know, in book of Galatians, you know, he went into the desert, right? He went into the desert. Um, so Jesus said, you know, don't be deceived when you, oh, look, he's in the desert and so on and so forth. Uh, personally, I mean, my own opinion, I, I, I think that Jesus is talking about a false I don't know if you can you can classify Paul as a prophet or even a false prophet uh since he never really claimed to be a prophet per se and same with Christ see the word Christ in the um Christ in in the New Testament when you read when you read the word Christ it is a transliterated word from the Greek Christos which is actually a translated word from the Hebrew mes, uh, Mashiach or Messiah, which means simply anointed one. So by definition, you could say that a false Christ would be anybody who claims to be anointed, claims to have the anointing of God. So that could that can encompass a lot more than what we thought. But um, I tend to I tend to lean away from I don't think that Jesus was talking about that. Although, again, this is this is a piece of evidence I just wanted to lay out on the table. Um, it is. It's very. I think it's very important when it comes to Paul to to keep him to put him and keep him in the proper category, and that is not. Part of the twelve, certainly not anywhere near the level of Yeshua. Not a prophet. Uh, at best, you could you could classify him as one of the early church fathers and and treat him as such. And I say that because some of the early church fathers are better, some of them are worse. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, take it for what it is. So, very good question, Lenny Gurley. Those are my my thoughts on it. Um, yeah. So, thank you very much for bringing that to my attention and our attention. Everyone who's actually reading that uh, uh, the comments on that video, awesome. Thank you very much, Lenny Gurley. Um, fearfully confident says so since this is a sabbath shabbat shalom as well yeah I, you know what i should have said that as well thanks for reminding us this is a sabbath as well so shabbat shalom shabbat shalom now um just another i i know i i do this every video but um we are getting into one of the more um one of the favorite little cliches that most Christians buy into. You know, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We're going to get into that. 
tonight, very soon here. I'm just going to read a few more comments and we'll get into it. So having said that, once again, if God brings anybody to your mind, anybody that would have a little bit of open mind to listen to what we're saying, somebody that could benefit from what we're saying, send them a message, let them know about this live stream. Let them know about it. Send them a link. Share. But if the ministry of death, yeah, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, uh, which glory was passing away, how, uh, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Yeah, uh, it's, it's very clear in the Torah that the only way you can get death well, you can't really get death from the Torah. I mean, the Word of God is life, okay? And the only way you can you can get death is by rejecting that life. So the, the the Torah is life, and so the only way you can you could you can get death is by rejecting the Torah, which most Christians do. Uh, so uh, the the ministry of death is actually the rejection of the Torah. Yeah. So. Uh, you have words such as, like in Psalm 119, verse 93, it says, I will never forget your precepts, okay, the precepts of the Torah, for by them you have given life, not death. Right? It's not a, it's not administration of death, it's administration of life. God's word is life. And of course, the Torah is God's word. There's so much, especially in the Psalms and the Proverbs that talks about how the law of God, you know, the precepts, the ordinances, the statutes, which all the testimonies, it all means Torah. It's all just different facets of the Torah. Uh, so it's just amazing how much uh, it talks about how it's, you know, it's, it's, it is the way, it is the truth, it is the life, you know, it is everything. It's, it's, uh, it's our it's it's the word of God for us. Fearfully confident says, uh, "Thank you, Christopher, for your ministry and all that you do. It's uplifting and encouraging and inspiring. Thank you very much, fearfully confident. I appreciate the kind words of encouragement. Thank you." Fearfully confident says, "Your video was excellent. The Paulians came out of the woodwork, and why do they use the Septuagint over Hebrew text?" Yeah. You guys know, like one of the most one of the most important things that we're what we're doing here is just get people to think, just get people to think, because a lot of people all they do is the parents, right? All they do is they hear the Christian cliches, they hear all of the different, you know, they hear the, you know, the narrative, and they just parrot it without really thinking, because they just assume that everything is true that they heard, and you know, just because you know the pastor said it, it has to be true. Just because my favorite evangelist said it, oh, it has to be true. You know, not necessarily. We need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to test all things. Question for move says shalom. Shalom. Question for move. Vinny says, uh, Jesus does your groceries as well. Had me in stitches, LOL. Yeah, you know, this is uh, this is how they talk, right? I mean, I, I, you know, they don't say that, you know, they don't say that explicitly, but, you know, that's basically what it is. Like, Jesus is everything, right? You know, it's like, 
Like he does everything for you. Everything. You don't have to do anything. The real truth says Jubilees 27 or 23, 17, uh, for all have done evil and every mouth speaks iniquity. Paul quotes Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of Yahweh. Paul misquoted this also. Yeah, you know, that's why I've said, you know, and I'm serious. I have I have said this, and I know a lot of you guys know this. I have, I have said, listen, could you please show me, I mean, any of you, show me one verse that Paul actually quoted accurately. And I'm not saying this, you know, I, I, I honestly, and I'm not saying there isn't one. I'm just saying it's probably, it's hard to find, but if there is one. Question for Move asked about the, the list of reasons why you're Christian instead of Islam. That's a, <laughs> I can't really do that in one video. I mean, not, not without taking a whole video to do that. Um, yeah, I, you know. We're focusing on the scriptures as, you know, the, the scriptures as per Tanakh and uh, some of the ones that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, that kind of thing. So, I mean, without getting into a whole long, I, 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 there's no way for me to even touch on that subject without without opening up another whole topic and going on for about, you know, five, six hours on that. Um. And as I, as I shared before, I, I mean, it's not, there are a lot of people who do speak on that kind of thing, like why Christianity, not Islam. There's a lot of people that speak on that. Um, and that's something that I've not made any, that's not really my, I'm not really, it's not really my primary focus. But I do believe that if we get in, the more truth we get into, the more it will draw everybody from all you know from every corner of the abrahamic faith world blake says uh revelation 2 2 are my thoughts on paul yeah yeah that's i understand what you where you're coming from there people have different theories on that To Yah be the glory, um, the Matthew 24 passage would be warning against the one Paul spoke with being a false prophet. Not Paul, right? Would be the be warning against the one Paul spoke with. I'm not sure who you're referring to. The one that Paul spoke with. Sorry, to Yah be the glory. I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to there. Fearfully Confident says, uh, not a prophet. Who is the prophet like Moses then? Um, again, the context, I'm not sure. If, I'm, if you're, if you're um, speaking to when I said that Paul is not a prophet, yeah. Um, yeah, Paul never even claimed to be a prophet, if that's what you're speaking to there. The prophet like Moses then, I, I do believe that was Yeshua. Although a lot of Christians look at Yeshua as in, as like the opposite of Moses, but I don't believe so. Psalm 94 says, uh, Happy Shavuot, everyone. Sorry I'm late, just got home. 
Shalom, shalom. Good to see you. Kingdom Concepts says Shabuot Shalom. You too, brother. Good to see you. Blake says, I look at Paul as if he uh, as if he is the imposter apostle Jesus warned about. But I also read his word more to understand better where his motives lie. But I find him uh, to be at the center of contradiction. Paul is always at the center. Most, um, almost all of the, her the heresies that have ever plagued the church comes from Paul's letters. Again, there are people who say it's misinterpreted. Um, here's here's the thing. You know, I mean, there's so much. Whether or not Paul is, if Paul is good or Paul is evil, one whether or not, either way. Here's the thing. What he wrote is, is a tool used by, by people to, um, to do all manner of evil. It wasn't, um, I, I, you know, I like what uh, Dr. Staples there said the other day, and that is that Paul was probably a better thinker than he was a, a writer. So even if he was like an angel, it's the way he wrote that really made the difference. Like it's the way he wrote. It's, it's take most, almost everybody takes it to mean what everybody believes it to mean, right? The, the common Christian narrative of, uh, you know, the law is done away with. No, we don't have to go by the law no more. It's all by grace through faith, all this kind of thing, faith alone, um, all this kind of stuff. I do believe that Paul should be put in the New Testament Apocrypha because of that fact. I think he should be in the hidden books read only by those who are able and uh, who have the uh, the spiritual insight and wisdom to uh, to, to parse and to uh, to know how to deal with Paul's letters. Jordan says, Shalom all. Shalom, Jordan. Good to see you. Back after a much needed break. Welcome back, Jordan. Welcome back, brother. Okay, guys. What I'm going to do, I'm going to start reading the scriptures, and then I'll, we'll get to your questions afterwards. I want to make sure we get this scripture in because it's on the schedule. Uh, we'll get to your questions. For any of you guys, wherever you wherever you are on, on any platform. Uh, I'm multi-streaming here in different platforms at the same time right now. So uh, especially over there on YouTube, just put at Christopher in the, uh, in the live chat and that way uh, it will stand up to me. Oh, I still got the old at Jason in there. Okay, let's do this. Isaiah chapter 64. Now this is the passage that talks about all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Let's let's read this. And I think what I'll do is I'll read all of Isaiah 64 first into Isaiah 65 because we want to get the full context of this. And I know I said, you know, I talked to, I, I spoke about Isaiah 54 many times in the past, but I haven't really spoken of Isaiah 64 in the context of Isaiah 65 too. So let's do that. Now, keep in mind that the original 
the original scriptures, the original scroll of Isaiah was not divided into chapters and verses. It was just all one flowing document, all one book. You know, um, when Isaiah wrote it, he didn't, he didn't divide it into chapters and verses. So, uh, my point is this, once we go into Isaiah chapter 65, don't think that it's talking about something different because it's just, it's just a continuous flow from the, from the, uh, from the previous uh, chapter. So let's do this. Isaiah 64. Um, actually, you know what? Just a second here. All right. Let's do this. Isaiah 64. Start at verse 1. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would quake at your presence. As fire kindles brushwood, as fire causes waters to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things, which we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For from days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God guides you who acts in behalf of one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, for we have sinned. We continued in our sins for a long time. Yet shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like, are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf. And our wrongdoings like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have surrendered us to the power of our wrongdoings. Now in the footnotes, um, Dead Sea Scrolls and other ancient versions, and the Masoretic text melted. You have melted us, or you uh, melted us to the power of our wrongdoings, or melted us. Uh, verse 8, But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord nor remember wrongdoing forever. Behold, please look, all of us are your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house, where our fathers praised you, has been burned by fire. And all our precious things have become a ruin. Will you restrain yourself at these things, Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us beyond measure? Psalm 65. I have permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I, to a nation which did not call on my name. I have spread out my hands all day Long to a rebel rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts. 
a people who look, uh, who continually provoke me to my face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on bricks, who sit among graves and spent the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh, and the broth of unclean meat is in their pots, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near to me, for I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will even repay into their laps both your own wrongdoings and the wrongdoings of your fathers together, says the Lord. Because they have burned incense on the mountains and scorned me on the hills, therefore I will measure their former work into their laps. This is what the Lord says. Just as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for there is benefit in it, so I will act in behalf of my servants in order not to destroy all of them. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and an heir of my mountains from Judah. My chosen ones shall inherit it, and my servants will live there. Sharon will be a pasture land for flocks and a valley and the valley of Achor, a resting place for herds, for my people who seek me. But as, but as for you who abandon the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who set a table for fortune and fill a jug for, uh, of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you for the sword, and all of you will bow down to the slaughter because I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. Instead, you did evil in my sight and chose that, that in which I did not delight. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Behold, my servants will eat, but you will be hungry. Behold, my servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. Behold, my servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. Behold, my servants will shout joyfully with a glad heart, but you will cry out from a painful heart. You will wail from a broken spirit. You will leave your name as a curse to my chosen ones, and the Lord God will put you to death. But my servants will be called by another name because the one who is blessed on the earth will be blessed by the God of truth. And the one who swears an oath on the earth will swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my sight. Okay, let's, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 64. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, I'm not sure how many of you noticed this, but in, in the entire chapter of Isaiah 64, plus in Isaiah 65, we have two different groups of people being spoken of here. Number one, the, those who are the righteous, those who are, you know, they're in line with Torah, so to speak. They're, they're, they're right with God, the servants, my servants, those who delight to do what's righteous. That's the one group of people. Then the other group of people are the ones who are very horrible people. The ones who don't, who don't seek God, who, uh, 
It's just full of wickedness. They first, you know, they have forsaken God. Uh, they don't call upon his name. They don't look, they, they don't pray. They, they don't do any. I mean, they're just basically, they're completely unbelievers. They just turn from the faith completely. When it says all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags in Isaiah 64, verse 6, it's talking about the latter group. It's not talking about the former group. It's talking about the group who are evil. Not the righteous people, not the servants of the Lord, not those who call upon his name, not those who believe in him, not those who pray, not those who, you know, uh, who, who do what there's, who obey the Torah, so to speak, but the other people, the people who have forsaken God, they have they have delighted to do what's evil. So the little good that they do is not counted for them. It's like your filthy rags are like, or your righteous deeds are like filthy rags. So I'm going to read this one more time, and I'm going to, I'm going to point out the differences. Okay? This is very, very important to understand because a lot of Christians, what they do is they put themselves in the wrong category. They put themselves in the category of Oh, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. So what, what, are the, what are they saying? Basically, what they're trying to say is this. This is what they, this is what they take it to mean. Uh, don't even bother being righteous because it's all filthy anyway. So don't worry. But don't even try to do what God wants you to do. Don't even obey God at all. Don't, don't worry about the commandments. Don't, I mean, the Torah, don't even worry about it because you can't do it anyway because all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. It doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't count for anything. That's a horrific abomination, by the way, to believe that. There are two groups of people here. Two groups of people. The righteous and the wicked. The righteous and the wicked. The wicked are the ones. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't know of any, I know I know of wicked people. Yeah, wicked people. But I don't know of anybody who is like 100% wicked, that every single thing that they do is, is just pure evil. And you always got people, you know, they, they, you know, they got some well-meaning things here and there, and they're, you know, you always got very wicked people that have some good traits to them. That's what this means. A person who is really wicked, generally speaking, a very evil person, their little good traits that they have are like filthy rags because they're so wicked. That's what that means. Now let's let's read this again. I'm gonna I'm gonna point out the differences here. Okay. Um, Okay, so verse 1, verse 2, just a call unto God. Verse 1 and verse 2 right there is proof that this does not apply to everybody because Isaiah himself is praying that God would come down and, and uh, you know, uh, and meet the people of God. God the, verses 1 and 2 is a prayer calling out to God, taking hold of God, Okay. Verse 3, when you did awesome things, which we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. I believe this is talking about Sinai, probably. 
verse four, from the days or f- uh, for from days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen what uh, a God besides you who acts in behalf of those who waits for him. So there are those who wait for him. You, okay, this is Isaiah speaking to God. He's praying, you, God, meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness. Okay? For those of you who are listening, and if you're not watching it, I'm sharing my screen here on YouTube. Okay, if you want want to see what I'm reading, go over to YouTube and check it out because I'm sharing my screen right now live on YouTube. So obviously, the first four, five verses here, Isaiah is praying. He's calling unto God, which, which totally takes him out of, I mean, there are people who actually pray. There are people who actually call on God. Verse 5, you meet him who rejoices and in doing righteousness. So there are those who do rejoice in doing righteousness, okay? Who remembers you in your ways. So, okay, quick little recap. Verses 1, verse 2. Isaiah is praying, calling on God to come down and meet with us. Verse 3, verse 4 is just kind of reminding God, okay, you know, you've, you've, done, you've done this kind of thing in the past. We want him with us. And then verse 5, you, God, you do meet him who rejoices at, in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Behold, you were angry for we sinned. Okay, so here's the disconnect here. I should say here's the distinction, better word to use, distinction. So in verse, the first half of verse five, Isaiah makes it clear. There are those who, they rejoice. They love doing what's right. They love doing righteousness. They do remember God in his ways, period. Full stop. Then, so the hymn up here is a, that's talking about the righteous, right? That's talking about someone who's call, who calls on God. But then down here, it's a different group of people. So up here, you meet him. And then down here is, behold, you were angry for we. So there, there are two different groups of people. Him who does, who rejoices in doing righteousness and who remembers you in your ways, then we who have sinned. Continuing, verse 5, for uh, we continued in our sins for a long time, yet shall we be saved. For all of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf and our wrongdoings like the wind take us away. So obviously, these people are very pitiful, pitiful people because they are full of wrong. They are so caught up with wrongdoings that evil takes them away. This is certainly not the same the same group as the, is up here. You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. No, this is a different group of people. Him who does righteous, him who rejoices in doing righteousness is different from the we who have sinned for a long time. Unclean people 
who wither like a leaf because their sins are so great. Like a wind, it, it takes them away. People who do not, do not call upon the name of God. Okay? Is that you? If that's you, then you do not fit in the category of all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. You cannot say all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags if you actually do call on the name of God. If you call on the name of the Lord, you cannot be in the same category as all of our Because you see, look at this. Um, the we up here is the us down here, is the our here, is the our, is the us, is the us. Okay. It's the same group as the people that they said, none, no one who calls on him, who stirs himself to take hold of you. Okay. In other words, they don't pray. They don't pray at all. You have hidden your face from us and, and have surrendered us to the power of our wrongdoings or wickedness, evil. So that's not to mention all the stuff that we just read in, in Isaiah chapter 65, which also differentiates the, uh, those who are righteous and those who are wicked. talking about two different groups of people here the one the people who do who rejoices who loves to do what's right who remembers god and then there's people who don't even don't even call don't even bother with god at all they don't call upon the name of god they don't stir themselves to take hold of him of course they're not the ones who are you know that's a different group of people they're not people that rejoice in doing righteousness and who who um how, is, how does he word it here? Who remembers you in all your ways? No, these are people who forget God. That's why they don't. That's why they don't call upon His name. They forgot Him. They forget God, as as it explains later on in Isaiah chapter sixty four. Who stirs himself to take hold of you? In other words, that none of them, none of them do this. You have hidden your face from us. So, in other words, if you say. All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Then you also should say, I don't call upon the name of the Lord and I don't even pray and God hides his face from me and he surrendered me to all my sins. Basically, I'm doomed. You, I mean, let's be consistent here. Let's be consistent. Let's not pick and choose here. Scriptural isolation, you know, let's not do this. Let's be consistent. Moving on. But, but now, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are, you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hands. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Nor remember wrongdoing forever. Behold, please look. All of us are your people. Your uh, your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem and destruction. Our holy name, or excuse me, our holy and beautiful house uh, where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire and all our precious things have become a ruin. You might as well say that too, by the way. I mean, if you're going to say all of our filth, filthy, uh, all of our righteousness are like filthy rags, I mean, it's the same group of people here. All our, our precious things have become a, uh, become a ruin. Um, 
will you restrain yourself at these things, Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us beyond measure? And again, remember, Isaiah did not write in chapters and verses. He just kept on writing. It's all, it's all one smooth flowing uh, document. It's man who later divided it into chapters and verses. I permitted myself to be sought by those who do not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who do not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I to a nation uh, which did not call on my name. I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people. Again, this is talking about the same kind of group of people there. Rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good. Um following their own thoughts of people who continually provoke me to my face. Okay. These are the people whose righteousnesses are like filthy rags, the people who provoke him to his face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on bricks, who sit among graves and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh, and the broth of unclean meat in, is in their pots, who, who say, keep, uh, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than thou. These are smoke in my nostrils. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna claim Isaiah 64 6, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags, you might as well say that you're also smoke in God's nostrils as well, fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will I will even repay into their laps both their own wrongdoings and the wrongdoings of your fathers together, says the Lord, because they have burned incense on the mountains and scorned me on the hills. Therefore, I will measure their former work into their laps. This is what the Lord says. Thus saith the Lord. Just as the new wine is found in the cluster and one says, do not destroy it for there is benefit in it. So I will act in behalf of my servants in order not to destroy all of them. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and an heir uh, of my mountains from Judah. My chosen one shall inherit it, and my servants will live there. Sharon will be a pasture land for flocks, and the valley of Achor a resting place for herds, for my people who seek me. But as for you who abandon the Lord, again, see there's two different groups of people here. We got people who actually do seek God. Not the people who don't seek God, according to Isaiah chapter 64, whose righteousnesses are like filthy rags. But there are people who actually are God's people who actually do seek God. But, in other words, hey, there's another group of people around the corner here. But as for you who abandon the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who set a table for fortune and a jug of mixed wine for destiny. It's, it's almost like um, spiritism kind of, you know, you know, not, it's kind of like conjuring up, it's just different, serving different gods. Verse 12, I will destine you for the sword and all of you will bow down to the slaughter because I called you did not answer. Again, here's this different, another group. Here's this group of people. I believe it's the same group of people as what we read just earlier in the scripture. Just several verses before this. I spoke, but you did not listen. Instead, you did evil in my sight. And chose, what I, uh, and chose that in which I did not delight. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Behold, my servants will eat, but you will be hungry. Again, good people, bad people. 
Behold, my servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. Good people, bad people. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. Isaiah 64 and Isaiah 65 makes it clear there are two different groups of people here. Behold, my servants. This is Isaiah 64, verse 14. Behold, my servants will will shout joyfully with a glad heart, but you will cry from a painful heart and you will wail from a broken heart. You will leave your name as a curse to my chosen ones and the Lord God will put you to death. Yeah. But my servants will be called by another name because the one who is blessed on the earth will, will be blessed by the God of truth and the one who swears an oath on the earth will swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my sight. Okay, so I just want to just, because this is one, this is like the first topic that we just dealt with here. So quickly, I want to scan over the chat and I want to go, I want to, if there's any questions specifically relating to what we just read here, I'll answer that right now, just since we're in the flow. The other questions, um, please be patient. We'll get to those. Um, let's get to see what we have here. Jamie says, just tell us what to believe. Um, it is getting late and I have sinning to do. Let the holy be holy still and the unholy be unholy still. Blake says, I think you hit that summary quite nicely. Thank you, Blake. Okay. If you guys, if anybody submitted a question without at Christopher in it. Fearfully Confident says, um, it seems in those passages, God is adamant about the dietary, i.e. swine flesh. Yeah, and we're going to read is actually going to get even more into it in just the next the next chapter. Byron, I still don't want to take anything. All, all my other family, I, I don't know if you're, Byron. Byron, good to see you, by the way. I'm just wondering because it's, I thought, are you the same Byron? It looks like you are. All my other family are going along with the times, but I feel the Spirit is, is leasing me, leading me away from these things happening in the world today. Very good, very good. Jamie, super chat. Thank you very much, Jamie. You know that was sarcasm, right? I do, yeah. yeah. I'm not taking it seriously, Jamie. But thanks, Jamie. Um, all right, so... Um, <laughs> says Byron says, yes, I'm the same Byron as before. Okay, great. Great to see you. Yeah, it's important to, to um, it's important to stay holy, right? Be holy as I am holy and stay holy. Meaning set apart, separate. Just talking to someone earlier saying, well, I don't, I don't have many friends because everybody thinks I'm weird. I said, it's good that it's weird. It's good that you're weird, especially in times when everybody is completely corrupt. It's, I mean, it should be weird. <laughs> if you're normal amongst people that are not normal, then there's something wrong with that for sure. All right, let's get into this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 65. Isn't this amazing? This is awesome. I mean, yes, reading the book of Isaiah is just an amazing blessing. For behold, I create new heavens and 
and earth. This is verse 17 for those who are listening. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voicing and the sound of crying. No longer will there be in it an infant who lives only a few days, or an old person who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of a hundred. And one who does not reach the age of a hundred will be thought accursed. Um, just, a, just a little bit of a side note. It seems like this is talking about the age to come. And it's, it, it appears like people will still die. Just they'll live more like how it was basically in the Garden of Eden. Uh, verse 21, they will, they will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. As the, as the lifetime of a tree. Uh, let me see what it says here in the footnotes. As the days of a tree. So isn't that something? Can you, like, you know, there are some trees that are like, you know, extremely old. What is that? It's supposed to be like the Methuselah tree or something like that. It's supposed to be like the oldest tree in, you know, on earth. Some of these trees, like, from what I understand, like even the tree in the garden, was it in Israel? It's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be as old as what was still, it was there when, when, you know, 2000 years ago when, when Yeshua walked the earth as the age of a tree. As the age, as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. It's amazing. Makes you think too, right? I mean, the trees, trees live a long time. What lives longer than a tree? There might be, a, there might be some stuff that does, but trees live a long time. They certainly are blessed with a long life, that's for sure. Verse 23. They will not labor in vain or give birth to children for disaster, for they are the descendants of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. It, uh, it will also come to pass that, that before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will listen. The wolf and the lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like, like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm on my whole, on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful. Isaiah chapter 66. This is what the Lord says. This is what Yahweh says. This, thus saith the Lord, heaven is throne and the earth is the footstool for my feet. 
Where then is the house? Where then is a the house you will you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my my hand made all these things, so all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But I love this. I love this, people. I love this. But I will look to this one at one who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Wow. Wow. Let me, you know, I, I got to read this one more time. I mean, just this, this verse, a uh, couple verses here, because this is so powerful. It's like the Lord, it's like God is building up. He's like, he's building up. And then his, it's it, everything he said up to this point is just, just to make a point. Just to make this point, really what everything that he said up here, like, uh, heaven is my throne and the earth is the footstool for my feet. Where then is a house you could build you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things, so all the, all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But I will look to this one. At one who is humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. Oh, Lord, let us, let every one of us be like this. Every one of us be like this. Let every one of us be as those who are humble and contrite, who tremble at the word of the Lord. Yes, Father, let everyone within the sound of my voice fit this profile. Beautiful. It's so important. You know, like they say, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. Isaiah 66, verse 3. But the one who slaughters an ox, and this is talking about, again, the blood sacrifices, is like one who kills a person. The one who sacrifices a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. One who offers a grain offering is like one who offers pig's blood. One who burns incense is like one who blesses an idol. Remember, according to Numbers, burning incense is one of the several means of atonement. But again, situation. Same with offering the, the blood sacrifice as well. But again, not in this situation, it's not. Blood, again, for the umpteenth time in the Tanakh, does not guarantee covering your sin. Does not give, it, it does not guarantee atonement. One who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a person. In other words... Those who bring the ox for, for the sacrifice is abominable to God. One who sacrifices a lamb. Why? Well, it's a sin sacrifice, isn't it? Well, it's abominable to God. It's like one who breaks a dog's neck. 
one who offers the grain offerings, like one who offers pig's blood. One who burns incense is like one who blesses an idol. And this is the reason why it says, as they have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations, so I will choose their punishments and bring on them what they dread. So basically, it's, it's like these people, again, let me just stop here for a second. It, it, it's like these people, they think they can do their own thing. They think they can delight in what God says in a, is an abomination. And they think they're covered by offering the, 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 doing the offerings and the sacrifices and the sacrifices and the grain offering, burning the incense. They're trying to cover every, every, uh, every base here, right? They think they're covered. But God says, no, you're not covered. Verse four. So I will choose their punishments in the, footnotes, literally ill treatments, and bring on them what they dread, because I called, but no one answered. I spoke, but they did not listen. Instead, they did evil in my sight, and chose what, and chose that in which I did not delight. So again, this reminds me of how many times it says in the scriptures, uh, in the book of Proverbs, I know it's twice, it's like, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Let's just pull that up. Sacrifice of the wicked. Abomination. So this is found twice in Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Again, in Proverbs 21, 27, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent? In other words, hey, I, I, I can cover my sin doing this. I, I'll just get covered. I'll just get covered by the blood. I'll just... Keep on doing what I'm doing. I'll just keep on going, doing my own thing, my own ways, and keep on delighting in the abominations and the sins. God says, nope, doesn't work like that. No way. Isaiah 66, verse 5, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. So again, we got two different groups of people here, right? We got those who are not so good people, um, those who do all these abominations and sins and things that they're covered with their offerings and sacrifices and such. And then, th then we have those who actually tremble at the word of God, the, the ones who are humble and contrite. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you, who exclude you on account of name, have said, let the Lord be glorified so that we may see your joy. But they will be put to shame. A sound of up from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who is dealing retribution to his enemies. Before she was in labor, she delivered. 
before she before her pain came, she gave birth to a boy. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be given birth all at once? As soon as Zion was in labor, she also delivered her sons. Shall I bring to the point of birth, but not give delivery, says the Lord? Or shall I, uh, shall I who gives delivery, shut, shut the womb, says your God? Be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice for her, all you who love her. Be exceedingly glad with her, all you who mourn over her. So that, you, so that you may nurse and be satisfied with her comforting breasts, so that you may drink fully and be delighted with her bountiful breasts. For this is what the Lord says, Behold, I extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing. And you, you will be nursed, and you will be carried on the hip and rocked back and forth on the knee. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted in, in Jerusalem. Then you will see this, and your heart will be glad. And your bones will fly like the new grass, and the hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants. But he will be indignant toward his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and, and his chariots like the whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire, and by his sword on humanity. And those put to death by the Lord will be many. Those who sanctify and purify themselves to go to the gardens, following one another, or following one in the center, who eat pig's flesh, detestable things, and mice, will come to an end altogether, declares the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming to gather all the nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. And I will put a sign on them and send survivors from them to the nations, Tarshish, Hut, Lud, Meshach, Tubal, and Yavan, to the distant coast, coastlands that have neither heard of, the, of my fame nor seen my glory, and they will declare my glory among the nations. Then they shall bring all your countrymen from all the nations as a grain offering to the Lord on horses, in chariots, in litters, on, on mules, and on to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, I will also take some of them as priests and Levites, says the Lord. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your descendants and your name endure. And it shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath 
All mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they will go out and look at the corpses of the people who have rebelled against me, for their worm will not die, and their fire will not be extinguished, and they will be an abhorrence to all mankind. Wow. It's amazing. So on the left-hand side, we have Second Kings, and on the right-hand side, we have Second Chronicles. Uh, Second Chronicles, there's some extra information here before we get to Hezekiah. So I'm going to read Second Chronicles 32 first. Second Chronicles 32, verse 1. After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he, consult, he consulted with his leaders and command, commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside. Also, he repaired the millow in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to join uh, to him in the open square of the, of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem. But he and all the forces with him laid siege against Lachish to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, In what do you trust that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars, and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to, to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all... Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able, should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, 
Do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this, and do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers. How much less will the god, will your god, deliver you from my hand? Furthermore, his servant spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them that they might take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem and against the gods of the people of the earth, the work of men's hands. Now because of this, King Hezekiah and prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader, and captain captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presented or, and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. So this is where we pick up here. It corresponds with 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. So reading from 2 Chronicles 32, verse 24. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord. And he spoke to him and gave him a sign. Now, again, before I go too far here, this This whole story is also found in Isaiah chapter 38. So 2 Chronicles 32, 25. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. He and and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Okay. Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1. In those days Hezekiah, Hezekiah was sick near death, and Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court 
that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of of David your father, I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Uh, Just to stop here for a second, this lump of figs could have been like a healing balm for Hezekiah. Uh, Again, I have to say, I do believe that God is a lot more practical than a lot of people think. God many times uses very practical means to do his work. In this case, we see uh, the just a lump of figs was used to heal Hezekiah. He took it and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Verse 8, And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, This is a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees? Now, let me just stop here again. We have these kind of details that is not recorded in Isaiah chapter 38. We have the story, generally speaking, this this whole story of Hezekiah, um, getting healed and getting years added to his life in Isaiah 38, but we don't have some of these details, such as Isaiah going out to the middle of the, uh, gone out into the middle of the court there in verse four. Uh, those details are not in Isaiah 38, and also these details as well. When Isaiah asked Hezekiah, basically, what sign do you want uh, that the uh, shadow goes forward 10 degrees or backwards 10 degrees? And uh, so Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees, but let, excuse me, no, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah, the prophet, cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. At that time, Barodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, uh, king of Babylon, sent letters and a, and a present to Hezekiah, for he, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment, and all his armory all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? 
So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, Will there, will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? Let's catch up over here in Second Chronicles chapter 32. Oh, by the way, before I get into this, um, why did Hezekiah lose everything? Well, I think it was because of a little bit of pride in his heart. Um, he was kind of showing off uh, to the king of Babylon. He was kind of showing off, you know, look at all that stuff. Look at all the stuff I've got. Look at what I have here. Look at, look at everything I have. Uh, the Lord didn't take very well to that, did he? Everything that you showed will be taken, and your son, some of your sons, will be eunuchs in, in, in Babylon. Another story of how important it is to be humble. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 27. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And he made himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items. Storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine and oil, and stalls for all his, for all kinds of livestock and folds for flocks. Moreover, he provided cities for himself and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, and God had given him very much property. This same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of Upper Gihon and brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Moreover, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder uh, that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. This is what happens sometimes. God can do that. Perhaps it may be a time in your life when you feel like God withdrew from you. It's possible for, for, for God to withdraw from you. And I know people, I know people, it's like, well, you know, uh, I, maybe, maybe God has, has left me. Oh, no, 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 don't say God has left me. For he says, I will be with you for, forever. You know, to the end of the age, I will be with you. Like God is always with you. Ah, not so fast. Not so fast. That's almost like the name it and claim it and blab it and grab it crowd that always, you know, confesses the word of God when it's not really the truth. It's not really the, it's not reality. It's against reality. It's taking, ripping the word of God out of context really is what it's doing. So sometimes it's possible for God to withdraw from somebody in order to test them. To know what's in your heart. 
Continuing with 2 Chronicles 32, 32. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, indeed, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him at his death. Then Asa his son reigned in his place. Compare that with uh, 2 Kings 20, 20. It's kind of interesting, right? 2 Chronicles 30, 32, 32. And 2 Kings 20, 20. Anyway, 2 Kings 20, 20 says, Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. And for those of you who are new, this, this simply means he passed away. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Chapter 21. Second Kings 21, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 20 or 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. Compare that with 2 Chronicles 33, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. It doesn't say anything about his mother there. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 2. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. says exactly the same thing in 2 Kings 21, verse 2. Moving on with 2 Chronicles 33, 3. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had, had broken down. Compare that with had destroyed over there in uh, 2 Kings. Uh, he raised up altars for the Baals. Again, compare that with just singular Baal in 2 Kings. And made wooden images. Okay, compare that with singular wooden image in 2 Kings. And he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them, which we don't have in 2 Kings at all. The hosts of heaven, the gods of the Assyrians. But in 2 Kings, we have mention of Ahab or Ahab as Ahab king of Israel had done, and he worshipped all the hosts of heaven. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, it does say worship, worship the hosts of heaven in 2 Kings. It's just that it's uh, uh, it's after uh, talking about Ahab. 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 Worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. So 2 Kings 21.4, he also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. In 2 Chronicles, it says, uh, this is 33.4, he also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. 
Okay. A little bit different than Second Kings. Moving on with Second Chronicles 33, verse 5. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in two courts of the house of the Lord. Says exactly the same thing in Second Kings chapter 21. Second Chronicles 33, 6. Also he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He, pra- he practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft and sorcery, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Second Kings 21 says, And he made his sons to pass through the fire. It doesn't say in the valley of the son of Hinnom as it does in Second Chronicles, but it says, practice, practice soothsaying, use witchcraft and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So Second Kings 21 verse 7, he even set a carved image, set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. In Second Chronicles 33, verse 7, and he even set a carved image, the idol which he had made, doesn't say, it says a Shira in, um, Second Kings 21, as opposed to the idol he had made in the house of uh, in the house of God in Second Chronicles versus the house of which the Lord had said um, to David and to Solomon his son. House of God of which God had said to David and Solomon his son. Uh, so in Second Kings it's got the Lord. In Second Chronicles it's got God. Okay, moving on with Second Chronicles. Chapter 33, verse 7. So, uh, the house of God, which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen, out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name Forever. So that's exactly the same as what we read in Second Kings. Second Chronicles 33, verse 8. And I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land of which I which I have appointed your fathers. Second Kings says, and I will not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave to their fathers. Worded slightly different. Moving on with Second Kings 21, last part of verse 8. Only if they are careful, only if they are careful to do it according to all that I uh, have commanded them and according to all my law that my servant Moses commanded them. Second Chronicles 33, verse 8, says, Only if they are careful to do all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and ordinances that my hand, uh, by, by the hand of Moses. 
different words. Generally the same meaning, though. Second uh, Kings 21, verse 9. But they paid no attention, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Second Chronicles 33, verse 9. So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Moving on, 2 Chronicles 33, verse 10, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Second Kings 21, 10, And the Lord spoke to his servants, or spoke by his servants, the prophets, saying. Okay. So, in Second Kings, it tells us how the Lord spoke. In Second Chronicles, it tells you to whom the Lord spoke. Second Kings 21 tells you actually it tells you what the Lord said. Uh, so the Lord spoke by his servants, the prophets, saying, first, this is verse 11, because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he acted more wickedly than all the than the uh, than all the Amorites who were before him, and has also made Judah sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. Okay, so we don't have... We don't have those details in Second Chronicles at all. Let's go back to 2 Kings 21. Uh, God's speaking, continue, uh, continuing, saying, And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. And they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the days of their fathers, since the days, excuse me, since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides his sin, which he made, uh, by which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, all that he did, and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house, in the garden of Uzzah. Then he, then his son Ammon reigned in his place. Picking up with uh, 2 Chronicles 33, verse 11. 
Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the, before the God of his fathers, and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty. Heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. After this, he built a wall outside the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley as far as the entrance of the city gate and enclosed Ophel and and he raised it to a very great height. Then he put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he cast them out of the city. And he also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed on the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, his prayer to his God, and the works of the seers, or the words of the seer, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, indeed are, are written in the book of the kings of Israel. Also, his prayer and how God received his entreaty in all his sin and trespass and the sites where he built the high places and set up wooden images and carved images before he was humbled. Indeed, they are written among the sayings of Hosei. So Manasseh rested with his fathers and they buried him in his own house. Then his son Ammon reigned in his place. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. For Ammon sacrificed to all all the carved images uh, which his father Manasseh had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord, as his father Manasseh had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more. 2 Kings 21, 19 says, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulamite. You see, we don't have his mother's name up here. You don't have his mother's name in 2 Chronicles. His mother's name was Meshulamite. Uh, the daughter of Haruz uh, of Yotbah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, and he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the ways in the way of the Lord. Then the servants of Ammon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. Okay, so that corresponds with 
Second Chronicles uh, 33, verse 24, it says, Then the servants conspired against him. Then his servants conspired against him and killed him in his own house. Uh, moving on with Second Chronicles. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Second Kings 21, 24. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then Josiah, Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. So that concludes our reading of the scriptures for tonight. Okay, so those of you who are on YouTube, my apologies. There's so much going on in the live chat here. The questions that you submitted earlier, I cannot get them. Uh, they're way, they're, they're, I cannot recover them. Uh, if you submitted questions uh, that you want me to answer and um, I don't get, to, I mean, I, I only have two questions here. So the ones that were submitted earlier, I cannot see them. My apologies. Uh, it's just that so much activity going on there. Um, if you could, if you would resubmit them, if you want me to address those questions. Tammy asked a question. Uh, it seems to me that these other gods are alive and not wood or stone. And if so, where did they come from? Um, are you talking about fortune and destiny? Um, so if not, there are the other gods, because uh, I remember there's so many different gods we talked about here. Um, Could you, Tammy, could you, could you like um, give me a reference or, or, or at least like a recollection of what, what was it that was said that, that seems like those gods are alive? I don't recollect anything that really makes it, I mean, I mean, everything, idols, you can say, have, have a spiritual entity behind them. So that could be in that, in that, in that sense, like a, as a spirit. Uh, I do believe that spirits are alive. So, sorry, Tammy, if you could be, if you can just give me like a, if you could um, Give me a reference or just something that you remember that that was said that uh, would make it sound like uh, these idols were alive. Thank you, Tammy. I do not see any other questions here. I don't see anything else in the live chat uh, that has that's labeled at Christopher anyway. So again anyone there that uh, if you if you'd submitted a question earlier that i didn't get to my apologies if you, if you could resubmit them or or not it's up to you um 
If you do, if you want to, now is the time. So, uh, in the meantime, just to let you guys know, uh, July 9th, we're looking at uh, having Onia come on. This will be Saturday, July 9th, another five weeks from now. We'll have Onia come on for our Shabbat fellowship service, and he's going to present his version of the book of Esther. And I know he's been working on this for a long time, and he's got he's got another person that's actually helping him and working on it. So I'm really looking forward to that. Brick Train says, I think it was the scripture, it was when the scriptures said the sons of heaven. Could you could you give me a reference for that? Blake says, excellent, excellent sermon here. Many thanks. Thank you very much, Blake. Okay, so if we don't have any more questions, I'm going to wrap this up. Okay, we got Kingdom Concepts here. Says... Um, Leviticus 17:11 Hebrews in Hebrew mentions he and I taking away taking away sin. What is your take? The separate version is the only English version I have. Only, I've seen it says he and I. <laughs> yeah, I've seen so much in the sefer that is this is why I say this, you know, I, you know, I kind I kind of hate to say this, but I mean I I actually traveled over I actually traveled to get to get my sefer. I actually traveled to get it, right? So and uh it took me oh about probably 3 hours of travel to pick mine up and that was uh I don't know a number of years ago now. Um, and, uh, excuse me. And I was, I was overjoyed to get the Sefer, delighted to get it and, and read it. However, um, the more I read it, the more I didn't like about it. Uh, in my opinion, the Sefer is more of a, of a manipulation than it is a translation. It's got things in there. I'm not, uh, we'll, I'll, we'll look into this, but it's got things in there that's just not in the original. Not in the original manuscripts at all. And no explanation of where they got this stuff from. It's It's really... Not good. It's really not good. Okay, Leviticus 17.11. Let's go there in the Blue Letter Bible. We'll check this out. Um, I'll check it out in my Sefer as well. So what I got here is the life for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. So what you've got 
what you got if it says he and i in there uh i don't have that in mind so it must be a, a different version i don't have he and i in mind okay so in the masoretic text for the life of the flesh is in the blood and i have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul okay so nothing in there that says he and i there is if i you know what i should do cuz i i read the the sefer over uh, how many times and it's like, I come across things like this. There's more than this, by the way. I don't want to get into all this tonight, but there's more than this. Come in, it's like, where's that from? I look it up in the original, it's not there. Look it up in the original manuscript, not there. Look it up in a different manuscript, not there. Look up, look, I even went into the, uh, you know, like the, you know, the publisher's, you know, introduction or the preface and nothing about it there, which is normally any kind of, translation would tell you okay we did it this way and this is the reason why we did it this way nothing nothing at all on several passages like this and like i said it is this is why i say if you don't have the sefer you're not missing anything that's why i say this because it's it, it it is a manipulation of the text it's not a translation they took the King James of, of the of the typical Tanakh, the Sefer publishers took the King James and just changed the names and they changed the text in certain places too. They changed the text to make it say what they wanted to say with no explanation of where they got that from. If they actually said, okay, or had a footnote or had even in the even in the very beginning of the book, they had something in there to say, okay, this is this is what we did, this is why we did it. Again, this is it's crazy the amount of stuff you see like this in the Sefer. I'll look it up in the uh in the Septuagint as well, just just to be sure. Let's look it up in the Septuagint. Okay, so I'm going to pull up the Septuagint version of this. Okay, going over to Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in its, is its blood, for I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for, it, it, for its blood shall make atonement for your soul. Okay. Um, just, just for the sake of it, so the Septuagint version disagrees with the whole thing of he and I. Um, the Masoretic disagrees with the whole thing of he and I. Let's go into the Samaritan. The Samaritan version. See what that says. That way we cover all, all, all families and manuscripts. I was going to pull it up on the computer, but 
I'll just read it from the actual my actually my actual book here. Um, Samaritan version. So the Samaritan says, "For the soul of the flesh is in in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood, by reason of the soul, that makes atonement." Okay. So all three major families of manuscripts disagree with the whole thing of putting he and I in there, and again. Wherever they got that from, I would, I would, I would, <laughs> I don't think you'd get anywhere asking, but what I would do if you're, if you're serious about it, if you're really serious about perhaps believing that, I would ask them for the manuscript that they used to get that from. And if they cannot provide a manuscript for it, that just goes to show you exactly what I've been saying. This is not the first time. <laughs> I'm not into tearing out, you know, I'm not, I'm not into really tearing down the sephir, but uh, I've seen it over and over and over again in there. It's like, I, I even went into like in the book of Jubilees too, right? They, they do these things. They add, they add these things. It's not, it's not in the original. I even went so far as to look into the Amharic of the of the Ethiopian. Where did they get this from? Every other Jubilees translation I have ever read, every other source doesn't say anything what they say. Still nothing. It they just they interject into the text their own doctrine that's not in the original. This is the kind of stuff that, yeah. That's why I always say, <laughs> I do not recommend the, this effort. Let me just put it that way. Blake says, earlier you mentioned multiple theories on Revelation 2, two verse 2 and who that pertains to if not i understand okay so uh so the the common theory is that though that the those who claim to be apostles but are not are just unnamed apostles that just they don't know who it is you know it's just like well it can't be paul because paul is not you know uh, there's another theory that could it could be people like barnabas because part of barnabas is named as an apostle as well in um Acts chapter 14, I believe it is, or other people along that kind of line. Um, of course, there are people that say this is, it's talking about Paul. So yeah, those, like that's the, really the only three uh, theories that I can, I can think of. Thanks, Blake. Tammy says, uh, know the others you spoke of in Isaiah. Yeah, I... I'd have to reread it really to give you a really good, um, really, really good, like my, my take on it. Uh, I, I do understand though that even, even inanimate objects, like 
uh, idols that are carved or whatever could have like a spiritual entity behind that. So that in that sense, it could be like as if they are alive. Yeah. Kingdom Concept says, I agree with Sefer because Hebrews agrees with this. Hebrews. Uh, this is literally what he what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew. They're talking about two different things here. Hebrews agrees with this. The book of Hebrews, this is literally what the Hebrew says. Well, if the Hebrew says that, let's see how many. I mean, surely there'd be one, at least one of the translator translations of the Bible, one of the translators of how many umpteen amount of translators there has been that actually looked at the Hebrew and translated from this. So if that's the case, some of these translators would have picked up on it. Um, for I have given unto you, I have given, I have given, I have given, I have appointed it to you, um, I have given it, I have given it, I myself have assigned it to you, I have given it to you. So there's nobody that I know of. Nobody that I know of, nobody, nobody says it. The Septuagint doesn't say it. The Samaritan doesn't say it. No Bible translator says it. Again, that's just another horrible, abominable interpolation by the Sefer publishers. Making it look like that's what it says, but it doesn't. Now, just just to just to uh, let's just to give them the last chance. I mean, let's look in the Safari version, right? If anybody knows to, uh, the the you know the the Hebrew, it should be the people who actually grew up with Hebrew here, the Jewish Publication Society. See what they have to say about this. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if not, here we are. Leviticus chapter seventeen. Verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, for I have assigned it to you for making expiation for your lives upon the altar. It is the blood as life that affects expiation. Nobody, nobody ex except for this effort that is known for doing this. <laughs> If they put if they put a, a footnote in there, or in the, something in the preface where they said, you know what, this does not say that in the original. There's no manuscript that says this, and no other translator in all of history says this. But we say this. We have interpolated. We have interjected it in there. We have put our own doctrine in there. Then fine. At least they make that clear. Have they made that clear? Probably not. Tammy says, uh, sorry, I can't specify exactly. I was washing dishes listening. I'll have to go back and reread. I'll submit next time. Okay, Tammy. Yeah, sorry, I, I cannot recall myself, so... Yeah. Thank, thank you, Tammy. One John, are you familiar with the Hallelujah Bible? It restores the Paleo Hebrew names. I, I'm, 
I'm not that familiar with it. I mean, I've heard about it. I don't know how many years um, and read a little bit of it, uh, but I have not went through the whole entire thing. Real Truth says Stephen Pigeon's Stephen Pigeon believes Yahuwah or Yahweh is Jesus, and he told me he believes God is unknowable and like smoke. Yeah. Um, I I I don't want to talk about the guy behind his back, but what can I say? Certainly not what I believe. Let me just put it that way. Going nowhere, do you believe Judas is in heaven? Absolutely not. Real Truth says, I'm not bashing Stephen, just telling what he believes. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I totally get you. And that's, that's how I feel as well. I mean, I'm not, um, yeah, I don't want to talk behind the guy's back, but I mean, <laughs> if I had a chance to speak to him, I'd say, could you please put, when, when you, when you got these interjections, when you have these things in the, in the Sefer, that's not in any other manuscript or it's in some, it's not in any common manuscript. I would say, you know, it would be a good idea to put it in on a footnote, or this is the manuscript I got it from, or at least say it's not found in any manuscript whatsoever. This is just what I have interjected into that verse. I mean, a lot of this stuff I can't find anywhere. I can't find any manuscript. So therefore, that's why I say it's not a translation. Going nowhere, what are demons anyway? Are they fallen angels or Nephilim spirits? Both. Uh, like the Book of Enoch makes it clear that uh, like these, at least some, if not all of these uh, demons or evil spirits are from the evil Nephilim or other people like that 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 uh, um, that perish with the flood. Going nowhere, was Goliath one of the Nephilim? It does not say that he was. He was a um, he was a Philistine, right? Philistine. Billy says, reposting for Byron Abel. Can we uh, can we pray for my for my cousin before we close? Uh, he's going through a breakup with his child's mother. Uh, he's just. He just stormed out having a breakdown. Also for my mother, she's in hospice. Health isn't too good. Okay, we'll do that for sure. Okay, let's do that right now before we get too far then. So, Father, we thank you, Father, for this evening that you have given us. We thank you, Father, for your blessings. Father, we we come before you as, as children. We adore you. Holy is your name. You are the great and awesome God who keep your covenant with of love with those who love you and those who follow your commands. Father, we just we ask you that you would help us to follow your commands. Father, we ask you for Byron's cousin. Uh, you would have mercy upon Byron's cousin. 
Um, have mercy upon him, Father. Help him, Father. Uh, as Byron brought it out here tonight, he's going through a breakup uh, with his child's mother. So, Father, we ask you that you your favor would be upon uh, Byron's cousin, that you would pour out peace upon him, that your your wonderful, wonderful shalom would fill his life, and that you would give him clarity of mind, and uh, you would give him direction. You would give him wisdom and knowledge to know what to do in this situation that he's going through. And we ask you, Father, for the child as well, that you would pick up that child and and bless that child. Give that child great peace as well through it all. Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done in this situation. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, everyone said, Amen and Amen. Going nowhere, says, how do you feel about preterism? I do not believe in preterism. <laughs> not a question. Okay, so do I really think, do I think that Jesus was really born on December 25th? If not, uh, do you have any idea when he was born? Again, this is something that's, that is uh, hotly debated. You know, a lot of people believe that he was born in different times. Um... You have some people who believe that he was born on January 8th, which might be even might be closer to the truth. Um, I mean, we have was it Irenaeus, the early church father, who he was like the first one who said it was December 25th. But December 25th is on a different calendar than the calendar we have. Um, so. I mean, who's to say? I would say it's more likely uh, not than it, than 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 it is. Going nowhere says was was Jesus crucified naked? That's the idea. Yes. Question: Did the flood did the flood rains last forty days or one hundred and fifty days? Um, the flood lasted longer, but the rains lasted 140 days. Or, excuse me, I think I'm getting tired here. The flood lasted longer, but the rains only lasted 40 days. Brother Pete says uh, Yeshua was born on Shavuot, which is today. Yeah, there's many different theories. Depends on which one you want to go through, go by. I think it's an interesting, This, I mean, I'm not making any claims to truth here. I don't know if anybody can actually do that. Um, probably not. I don't think anybody can really say, I know for sure. We got, you know, I'm sure everybody thinks they know for sure, but do they really know for sure? Uh, but there's, there is a theory. There is a, there is a belief that, you know, a, a holy man will die on the same day that he was conceived, making a complete years instead of, Par parcel years in his life. So the idea is that a holy man would die on the same day he was conceived. Of course, that's not quote-unquote biblical. Not that that really means anything because, hey, 
TikTok and YouTube is not biblical either, but <laughs> I mean, it's not in the Bible. Not that that means it's true or false or, or, or good or bad, but uh, just an interesting idea that a, a man of God or a holy man of God dies on the day he was conceived, making a complete year, not partial years, but fullness, completion in his life. If that's the case, okay, I'm just saying, if that's the case, and if Yeshua really was crucified around March, April, then he would have been conceived that about the same time, which would make him be born around the end or early January, end of December or early January. Just saying. Just saying. No biggie. Yeah, another theory is he was born in September. I heard that one as well. Seems like you get, like you asked 10 different people, um, You ask ten. You ask ten different people when he was born. You might get ten different answers. So, okay. So I'm going to wrap it up for tonight. So tomorrow, Lord willing, same time, same place. We'll pick up again where we left off. Uh, and so that means we will be reading. Just to give you a little bit of a hint here, we're going to read from the. We're going to read the book of Nahum or Nahum. By the way, here's a little bit of a a little bit of a factoid for you guys. You know, you know, in the in the New Testament, Capernaum, Capernaum, Kafer uh, Nahum, Kafer. It means literally, it means the village of Nahum, the village of Nahum. It was where Nahum was from, uh, Capernaum. Okay, just a little bit of a factoid there. So, yes, so tomorrow, Lord willing, same time, same place, 7 p.m., we will read from Nahum, Nahum, and also a little bit more from 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Um, And after that, we will jump into Zephaniah the day after that. And Jeremiah, we're going to go through the book of Jeremiah. And wow, is Jeremiah ever an awesome book too, I'm telling you. That is an amazing book. And one of the things that really stands out to me in when it comes to the book of Jeremiah is how people think they hear from God, but they don't really hear from God. They hear from their own, from their own, their own mind, their own spirit, their own heart. Uh, you see a lot of, you, you read a lot about that in the book of Jeremiah. So that's a very, very powerful thing. Cause there's so many people today, so many Christians today that think that they are led by the Holy spirit, think that they hear from the Holy spirit when many times it's not so not the case. So, all right, guys, blessings, blessings, blessings. As always, you guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. I appreciate each and every one of you. The Real Truth says, Shalom, all stay stay strong. Thank you very much. Multiplied back to you. All right. So again, for those of you who are new, we do this every single day by the grace of God. We go Sunday through Friday, six days a week, 7 p.m. Eastern, and every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Again, as far as I see, uh, Lord willing, July, July 9th, July 9th, Onia will be with us for the whole entire Shabbat. 
presenting his version of the book of Esther, which is absolutely amazing, by the way. Uh, he's got like, he goes through, talking about manuscripts, he's got like the Septuagint, he's got the Dead Sea, he's got all these different manuscripts he compares. He's got them all line by line. And it's just amazing. And to see the differences between the different manuscripts is just, uh, it's just amazing. So um, we need to put that on our calendars. Brick Train, Brick Train says, bye, everyone. Bye. Blessings, blessings multiplied to you, brother. Blake says, um, can't wait for next time. Thank you all. It was a great experience. Thank you as well, Blake. It's a great experience having you. Uh, to Yah be the glory. To Yah be the glory. He says, shalom, y'all. Shalom, shalom. Byron says, good night, Chris. Good night, Byron. Blessings, brother. Going nowhere says, sorry for all the questions. Thank you for answering all though. Appreciate it. Thank you for, for, for asking. Uh, going, going nowhere. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, yes. Uh, Blake. Can we pray one more time for for Byron's mother? For sure. For sure. Yes. Let's do that. So, Father, once again, Father, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to, to get together and to, to fellowship and to, uh, to have these live streams as you have uh, blessed us with. And, Father, we just, we adore you. We love you. You are so holy. You are so great. You are so awesome. Your will be done, Father. We we ask you that you would have mercy upon Byron's mother. And Father, we ask you for a strength and peace uh, for her. Just pour out your strength and your peace upon her. Father, let your spirit, let your angels attend her. Father, let, let just let there be great, great shalom, peace. Your your will be done, Father. Bless her mightily, Father. Give her strength, Father. In whatever she's suffering right now, Father, just relieve her suffering, Father, and lift her up. Father, we ask you in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Amen and amen. Amen. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. One John said, thank you, blessings, and have a great evening. You too, you too, brother. Thank you. Very good point, Tammy. If shepherds were in the field tending sheep when Messiah was born, it wouldn't have been in winter if that story is true. Very good. Very good point, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I see everyone's amen, amen. Byron, all right. Okay, guys, thanks again. Blessings multiplied to you and yours. I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Amen. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you. Give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. See you tomorrow night.